Know you waiting on your days to get better. You see a whole lot of change with the help of a prayer. No matter how big the problem is, God is great. No matter how big the problem is, God is great. Come on, time and time again. You still show us we going. Build us up when we within it. Shine your light where it was then. Said you'll never let us down. With your words, we will find them. As we learn through these trials, you remind us why we smile. Know you waiting on your days to get better. You see a whole lot of change with the help of a prayer. No matter how big the problem is, God is great. No matter how big the problem Ooh, is, God is great. Hey, how are you? Welcome to Pure Reflections, the podcast where we talk about motherhood, womanhood, and discipleship. I'm your host, Danielle Thompson, resident in counseling and mentor. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Be sure to hit subscribe. And now sit back, relax, and listen as I share what I've learned on my journey. Hello, ladies. How are you? I am ecstatic to be recording today. This week was a little busy as far as my schedule, but here I am. I apologize, but I just want to encourage you guys to love on yourself. It's Valentine's Day week. You know, a lot of people are posting on social media, their relationships, the presents that they got, and it's very easy to fall into the trap of comparison and you know, thinking about what you don't have or what you would want or your relationship status. So I just want to send a reminder that that's not that's not what you need to be doing right now. Love on yourself. You are a vital part to a lot of people's lives around you, whether you recognize it, believe it or not. And most importantly, your babies are there watching you. They love you. They support you regardless if they are able to put that into words or not. So I just encourage all of you. If you are feeling a little down or a little sad about Valentine's Day, get up, get dressed, do your makeup. It doesn't matter if you're not going anywhere and do something nice for yourself. Cook you a nice meal, order your favorite food, order you some chocolates, go to the store, get a nice cake. Whatever it is that you want to do, do it because you deserve it and you shouldn't feel left out today. All right? Great. So, I also want to just thank you guys for listening to me week after week. You know, podcasting is not the easiest thing for me. Finding content to produce every week started off being a really big challenge, but with prayer, it's it's been getting a little easier. So I'm grateful for that. Like God would literally just downpour um, content for me to to talk about or somebody will call me and I'll have a conversation with them and I'm like you know what I could do an episode on that or even in me learning to really build up my social media page um, with a focus you know because I have a personal page that I just post when I feel like posting and sharing but now that I have a business page being intentional about what my posts say um, has been a challenge within itself too. So God has been working on me with all of that, and it's been a, a fun experience thus far, and I know that I will continue to enjoy it and grow. So any feedback would be greatly appreciated. Any feedback at all. What do you like? What do you not like? Is there things that you would want me to share more of or less of? Is there any particular topic that you want to hear me talk about? Is there advice that you need on something? I'm going to be starting weekly lives on my social media 
called Ask D, where I just answer your questions. So let me know what you want to hear and what you're interested in, and I am down for it. So you guys already know the routine. What is going well? How has that question been helping you? Have you actually been implementing it into your daily lives or your weekly lives? Or have you been using it as a reference point when you feel down or anything like that? Let me know. But for me this week, what's going well is I took my boys out for Valentine's Day. We went to breakfast, and we really enjoyed ourselves. It was great just watching them get older and grow is always a blessing for me and just seeing how they interact with each other and um, reflecting on what times were like (laughs) when they were younger in comparison to now makes me laugh and it makes me smile. So that that went really well. I also went on a dinner date with one of my good friends. Normally, my sister and my best friend and I, we would take each other out every Valentine's Day. But, you know, since I left New York, my sister left New York, it's been very challenging to do that for the last two years. So this year, one of my friends that I met here in Virginia, I told her about it and said, hey, you know, let's go to dinner. And we spent the day getting dressed, she did my hair, we did our makeup, we got fancy, and we went out to dinner, and we enjoyed ourselves, we laughed, we joked, and that was it, we just enjoyed each other's company. So I did those two things within the last week. I've also been focused on working out and eating right. And I will say that's a win for me, because I went to the gym at least three times last week, so that's a win. And I've just been enjoying myself. I've been enjoying me exploring myself. And, you know, I I will be honest. I feel like I'm in a dating season of Danielle. And um, what's interesting is I would say I intentionally embarked on my season of singleness or journey of singleness back in 2018 when I moved to Virginia. I looked at moving to Virginia as a clean slate um, where I wasn't dealing with anyone. Like, I wasn't partially single. I was legit single. Phone is dry. Nobody's DMing me. Nobody's texting me, calling me, um, owning, not really owning, I'm sorry, claiming me or anything of that sort. It's just Danielle. And in that time, I really asked God to heal my heart um, from past hurts and disappointments and any ounce of rejection that I was dealing with. And I could honestly say it took me a year and a half to get to a place where I felt like, okay, this, this rough patch is over because I was dealing with a different type of heartbreak, you know, um, unmet expectations that I placed on someone else or disappointment and things of that nature. And during that year and a half, God really started bringing up just different scenarios and um, situations that happened in my early life, my teenage years, you know, just all around. It wasn't just one particular event or situationship, quote unquote, that caused me to go into that healing period of a year and a half. But it was the trigger 
if that makes sense. So one particular situationship was a trigger for me, which turned into a year and a half of healing from all relational interactions that I've had. And then after the year and a half, God started dealing with me individually, um, me as a woman, me as a mother, working through some bad habits that I have, whether it was not maximizing my time or not giving my best to the things that I do. And he just started to doing a holistic cleanup, if that makes sense, in every area of my life. So it's been it's been a great time. So here I am. I'm in year three of living in Virginia. I'm in year three of intentionally being on my singleness journey. And this Valentine's Day has been been amazing to me. It's been special because I can honestly say for the first time in a while, I feel good around Valentine's Day. I'm not mad. I'm not hurt. I'm not thinking about failed attempts at a relationship, quote, unquote. I'm not thinking about lack in any area of my life. I'm just grateful for what I have. I'm grateful to be able to do for myself the way that I am now that I wasn't able to do before. I'm grateful for having wonderful women in my corner who I can talk to and just enjoy and celebrate. Like I sent some gifts out, you know, just to you know, brighten up their days, just whatever it is. It's just been good. I feel God's love for me in my heart, and I feel confident that this is going to be my last year being single. And I say that with boldness. So I encourage you guys to just explore where you are and really reflect and give gratitude and thanks to God for your health, for your life, for your children's health, for the loved ones around you for your resources, whether that be financially or not, and what you're able to do today, because there's a whole lot to give thanks for, especially with this whole coronavirus pandemic. So that is it for me with my wins for the week or my um, reflections of what is going well in my life. And we are going to segue into what it is that I want to focus on talking about today. So a lot of times I get the question of, Danielle, why is it that in some way, shape, or form, when I come to you for advice, you bring up therapy? Or how did you find therapy? Or what made you go to graduate school for mental health counseling? Or like, how did you get here? So I wanted to take some time answering that today. It probably won't be extensive, but... Just a few things I've learned. So I think it's important for me to share how I know God. A lot of people have asked me, well, or not even asked me, but assumed that I grew up in the church and I have a childhood that's centered around going to the church week after week and things of that nature. And honestly, I do not. I did not grow up in the church. I was not raised in the church. As a child, I went to church periodically with um, my aunt, or I would visit here, and if I if I did start going to church, it would probably be for a couple of months, and that was it. But to say I was raised in the church would not be true. Instead, during my childhood, my mom always taught me and my siblings how to pray, 
that that's what she did do. She taught us how to pray because that was our way of surviving with everything that was going on in the household that was dysfunctional, all the trauma that I've endured and things of that nature. The answer was always to pray. Even if we did not know who God was, even if we did not really know how to form a relationship with him. So as I thought at that time, my mother always said, listen, if we're going to make it, you have to pray. You have to pray and trust God and ask him to deliver us, to help us to survive, to help us get through it, because it won't always be like this. And she would also encourage us to read the book of Psalms. Now, here I am, a little girl. I don't really know what the book of Psalms is about. I hear you tell me to pray to God, but I don't know him. But because I trust my mother and because of the magnitude of things happening in the home, that's what I did. I prayed to God endlessly. I told him my secrets because that's what my mother told me. He is your best secret keeper. Anything going on with you, he will never share it. And I trusted that. And that's what I did. So I know God because of my need for survival. And I didn't know at the time that my relationship with with him was getting uh, cultivated or being developed. But as I went through my childhood years into my teenage years and getting pregnant with my first son, that's what I used to sustain me because I knew that I trusted him with my childhood trauma. And now here it is, I'm a teenager and I'm pregnant. And I know he didn't tell any of my secrets from my childhood. I trusted him with my journey of being a new mom at 15 years old. And moving along, even after I had my son, every single thing that I needed in life to survive, I would pray about it. So I say all of that to say my relationship with God was developed through prayer for survival. That was it. It wasn't it wasn't through anything else. I didn't know the word of God. I didn't know who Christ was. I didn't know anything about any of that. I just knew if you were going to survive, Danielle, you needed to pray continuously. And looking back now, God showed up in so many different ways to introduce his son to me and introduce his character to me and things like that. But I wasn't ready to receive it um, until about 2014. And I won't get into the details of my journey now. I will at a later date and I'll explain why. But I just wanted you to have an understanding that I did not grow up in the church. I grew up being taught how to pray for survival, okay? So now, fast forward a little bit. When I got to college, I first went in and told my academic advisor, like, listen, I want to work with children. And she's like, great, be a teacher. Like, all right, I didn't really see myself doing that, but okay, I'll try it. And I went, I got my associates in early childhood education, um, went and took a teaching assistant certification and became a teaching assistant. And it was great. I loved doing what I did with the kids, but the politics and in administration just wasn't cutting it for me. And eventually I quit the job and was like, no, I'll do something else. And I want you guys to remember that because the first thing my academic advisor said to me was be a teacher. Now, I took a year and a half off from school because um, I needed to give birth to my twins after I graduated with my associates. And then I went back to um, an undergraduate 
school to study sociology with a minor in social work. And again, still didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just knew I needed a degree if I was going to improve the quality of life for myself and my children. So I finished that degree, took another year and a half off because life was really hectic for me around that time. And I went to seminary for a semester. Seminary was okay, but I don't know, it just didn't feel right to me. I didn't feel that peace, like that's where I belonged in. I didn't feel like I was in the will of God. So at the end of my first semester in seminary, I was in prayer and the Holy Spirit was like, you want to keep wasting money? And I'm like, no, God, what is it that you want me to be doing? Got online, started researching and found um, a program at Nyack College that allowed me to grow spiritually as a Christian because it's a Christian college but also have a degree that I can get a career out of so I found the mental health counseling program with a biblical approach to it which integrated biblical principles and um, what I needed to prepare for licensure as a clinical um, mental health counselor and I did that so while in school or even going to the interview to get into the program, I questioned God, like, why am I here? Like, why do you have me going to school for mental health? I don't, I'm not interested in mental health. I've been running from psychology since undergraduate school, hence the reason why I took sociology. But I really don't understand why you have me going to school for mental health. And I did the tour um, of the school and everything, and it just started to click and you know, I would leave and go and pray about it. Like, God, what am I doing here? Are you sure this is where I belong? And he would start to reveal to me what mental health looked like in my family and what mental health looked like in my background and just start to ponder on some of the things that normally will be viewed as okay, especially in the Caribbean culture, because, you know, mental health is not something that's readily discussed or um, welcomed to that extent. It's either you was just crazy or you wasn't, and that's the truth about it. So here I am in school. I finished my first year, and one of the requirements comes up that I have to go to counseling for 15 individual sessions and 12 group sessions. And at first I'm like, gosh, I really got to go to counseling to graduate from school? I'm like, whatever. And one of my professors was like, you know, when you go into this, just be open. You never know what God wants you to to experience in this. Don't just look at it as a requirement, but look at it as an opportunity to get to know yourself a little better. Me, I kept the mindset that this is just for school. I need to graduate. I got bills to pay. I got kids to feed. I'm not really concerned about the experience. So I started um, asking around if anybody knew somebody that they could recommend me to. And this lady said to me, yeah, I know someone. I'll send you her contact information. So I'm like, all right, God, I don't know if this is the person that you want to be my counselor, but I pray and ask you that you would lead me to somebody that you handpick to counsel me, that you trust with your daughter, Danielle. Like, lead me to that person. If this is the woman that I'm being referred to, let me know. If not, I will find someone else, but help me find somebody quick because, you know, I want to graduate. I went, met this lady. She was amazing. Like, her spirit was so welcoming and genuine, and I felt the presence of God in the room with me. And 
in our first session, she said, hey, you know, what are your expectations? What are you looking for? And I promise you, before we even got into the session, she said, I am here as one of your counselors. She says, I welcome the Holy Spirit in here to to guide our sessions. So it will be me, you, and the Holy Spirit. And I was sold right there, sold, because I trust God with me. I trust the Holy Spirit to to foster um, change in my life. So for her to say, listen, it ain't just me and you, it's me, you, and the Holy Spirit, I was sold. I'm like, yes. Fast forward to about 15 minutes into the session, I was boohooing. Just cried the entire time and confused of why I'm crying. And all she did was ask me one question and I fell apart. Left that session like, oh my gosh, this is this is about to be real. God, I know for a fact that you want me here. I know for a fact. So I go to my sessions and I'm going. And what was supposed to be 15 sessions turned into a year and a half of counseling. And that was me voluntarily um, making a decision to continue to go. And when I tell you it was life-changing, like that year and a half changed my entire life. I wholeheartedly do not believe that I would be where I am today if I did not go to those sessions. And God knew that I wouldn't go on my own. He knew that I needed the educational requirement um, to stipulate that, listen, you have to go to this for 15 sessions. And I fell in love with it. And to this day, I wholeheartedly advocate for therapy because there were so many things in my life that I didn't understand and comprehend. And I was just surviving. I literally was just surviving. I literally just wanted my degree so I could go about my life and figure out the next next best thing to sustain me and to sustain my family. And what God did was he slowed me down. He started to open up my eyes to the practical side of things. And that's one of the things that my therapist said to me. She said, Danielle, there's times that you have to come away from the spiritual side of things because a lot of people use the spiritual side of things as a crutch. And she's explained to me that there's the spiritual aspect at one end and then the practical aspect at one end. And the goal is to meet in the middle somewhere. Not that you're always going to be in the middle, but some situations call for a little bit more practicality than it does for spirituality. But both needs to be in the equation at all times. And I did not know that. I viewed everything from a spiritual perspective, everything, and that was it. And I didn't see that to to an extent there was a blind spot because I didn't know how to navigate the practical things of life because I am human. It was amazing. I could I can go on and on about this year and a half of therapy. But I just want you guys to understand that with all the life stressors that I had in my life at the time, it was so divine for that requirement to be in place for me to graduate from that program because that year and a half really really changed my life so in 2018 I stopped going to therapy because I relocated to Virginia and I continued to learn how to be mindful how to balance the spiritual and the practical I finally started to view therapy as my Garden of Gethsemane. And for those of you who do not know what the Garden of Gethsemane is, that's where Christ 
um, went in and just poured his heart out to God about the burden of what came with the crucifixion. And he shared with God how he felt. And nonetheless, he said, not my will, but your will be done. And I'm just paraphrasing it. But look up the Garden of Gethsemane and the purpose of it in the Bible. And to me, therapy sessions is my Garden of Gethsemane. That's where I go and just be naked before God and just be raw and be vulnerable and not be concerned about anyone else or anything else. That's where I could take off my mom hat, my work hat, my um, whoever I needed to be for anybody else. That's when I took that hat off and was just naked and was just Danielle and poured my heart out and just you know, just ex- explore me, be open to what my therapist had to say, because I trusted her with that. I trusted God to trust her, if that makes sense. If it wasn't something that I wanted to do, I wasn't doing it. But each and every session, I walked out of there with a new perspective, with new challenges, with new thoughts, with, with whatever I needed to keep pressing to the next Um, milestone in my life so how does therapy relate to church therapy relates to church because you have the church and to me at least the church is like the hospital for the spirit and the soul you know it's the hospital for the intangible parts of us as humans and with that being said there are so many life stressors that impede on our spirit and our soul that there needs to be further assistance in place to make sure that people get the support that they need. So when I think about therapy as it relates to the church, I think about it as supportive services, the extended church, if if you must say that. I think there's different levels of healing. And in the church, you can have healing laying on of the hands to heal a person or to deliver a person or things of that nature. But I think there's also healing that comes from conversation. And I feel that therapy is an opportunity for that healing to take place. The word of God tells us that he gives us a sound mind and he gives us power and How can we have a sound mind if we do not have meaningful conversations or guided conversations or even conversations with someone who has a different realm of understanding than we do? Doesn't have to be spiritually speaking, but therapists or counselors or anyone in the mental health field has a different level of skills to foster conversation that can be life-changing and I think that it's important for us to understand that because in the Bible it talks about different parts of the body and how one part of the body cannot function independently of the whole and I think therapy is just the same just as much as any other profession if you are sick physically you're going to go to the doctor So if you are sick mentally, why not go to a therapist or a psychiatrist or a psychoanalyst or any other um, skilled professional for the mind? And there's different tiers to that. Mental health has many different 
um, levels to it. It can go from really acute and mild to psychosis or or more severe symptoms and diagnoses. But I think it's a continuum that we all fall into one way or another, whether it's just anxiety or dealing with a stressful situation that's situational or if it's just, you know, a person who may need some serious medication to help them establish a baseline and function. So with that being said, the same way that in the mental health field here in Virginia, they have wraparound services or supportive services, so to speak, is the same way that I think the church needs that wraparound service or needs that supportive service, and one of those services are therapy. I also think another one of those services is um, training for parents or anything of that sort that's going to help solidify the values outlined in the Bible. So I wanted to give you guys some tips for finding a therapist. Number one, acknowledge that you need help and that you deserve that help that you deserve somebody who is going to genuinely walk alongside you and support you on your journey to finding the peace that you need in your life. A therapist is not um, a cure. It's not a person who is going to fix all of your problems. It's a person who has a specific set of skills that's going to walk alongside you and support you along your own personal journey. You are the driver in therapy, not the therapist. And what I like to say to the clients that I have is imagine you come into a room and you see a blank white canvas. And then you have yourself with the paintbrush. And then you have the therapist that takes the seat next to you. And the therapist says, you know, I want you to draw whatever you want to draw. Tell me your story. And you start to draw your story. And then somewhere along the line on that canvas, there there's a piece or a part of the picture on the canvas that just doesn't look clear. The therapist then would say, hey, you know, how about we look at this, what you drew over here to get a better understanding because I, I don't see a clear picture here. And then that gives you the client an opportunity to clarify that or to to explore that, to ask questions to help you better draw that picture. Or even think about you you painting a canvas that is all pink. And then in the bottom left corner of that canvas, it's all black. The therapist will then say, hey, What's going on in this corner? Can we explore that? Can we talk about that? They're not giving you the answers to why that corner is black. Instead, what they're doing is drawing your attention to it and giving you an opportunity to articulate the emotion behind it or the feelings behind it or what was going on around that time that caused you to automatically draw that corner black. That's what a therapist does. Here's another example, and it's funny because I was talking about um, coping skills with my son, and he came up with this. He said, hey, Mommy, so what you want me to learn is kind of like cleaning a carpet, 
And I'm like, what do you mean cleaning a carpet? And he said, so let's say I spill cranberry juice on the carpet, right? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you want me to learn how to clean it the right way. Do I need to, you know, blotch it out with a rag? Do I need to add um, a chemical cleaning agent to better clean it what do I need to do is it something that can just be wiped out and left is it something that needs to be air dried and I said you know what now you're right it is like that my job as your parent in this situation is to teach you how to best clean the carpet without damaging it any further and he said okay mommy I get it and I just walked away so amazed because it was the same thing with therapy, we present a problem as the client and we try to fix the problem or to better deal with the problem. And here it is, you have a therapist that say, hey, you know, let's try to do as much damage control as possible. Let's find the best solution together to help you cope with this, to help you deal with this, to help you still be able to live a life that you want to live a meaningful life, a healthy life that works for you, tailored to your needs. And I hope that these two examples are beneficial to you because I tried to to paint the picture as best I can. But that's how I want you guys to look at therapy, okay? So the next thing after you acknowledge that you need and you deserve some assistance is ask God to lead you to a therapist, It's not something that you have to do alone. You can ask for recommendations from people that you trust. But if you don't want to share this part of your life with anyone, this is something that you could bring to God and pray about it. And trust that God is going to lead you to someone who can um, lead you in that area of your life. And a scripture that I want to bring up that I think is fitting for this is Isaiah 9 verse 6. And in that scripture, it says, for us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And it's important to point out that the first thing that he was called is Wonderful Counselor. So in my mind, if I want to find a counselor that's befitting for me, I'm going to go to the wonderful counselor to lead me to a counselor that can help me maintain peace. And that's exactly what I did for my experience. I prayed about it. And if I had walked into that office and didn't feel comfortable, I was leaving, which leads me to the next thing. You don't have to stick with a counselor because that's the first one you found. You have the right to shop. Shop for a therapist or counselor, however you want to use that word, but shop for one. There is a plethora of counselors from all different walks of life and backgrounds that you can sift through to see to see if you can find one that can meet your needs. On Psychology Today, it's like a store for counselors. You sit, you read through different bios, you look at pictures, what do you like about what they said, what do you not like about what they said, and you choose someone that works that you think will work for you and then you try them out you reach out and that's a hassle for a lot of people within itself reaching out and being consistent building that um consumer provider relationship and maintaining it and what do I mean by that 
you have to build a relationship with the providers in your life, whether that be um, your doctors, your dentists um, for your children, their pediatrician. There's a relationship that's cultivated there, and that's the same thing with your counselor. So when you shop for a therapist, at least, at least, this is what I say, go to sessions for about three to six weeks. Why? Because you have to give yourself time to establish the relationship, see if you like the person, give them a chance, and make sure that your own personal reservations aren't getting in the way of your therapeutic experience. So I would say give it about three to six weeks, and if at six weeks you decide, like, hey, this is not for me, that's fine. You terminate your sessions, and you find you another counselor. Now, for a person that goes into a session and off the back, you know, like, this this is not for me. This person is just not it. That's fine. You don't have to go and commit yourself to three to six weeks because some people just don't work immediately, and that's that's something you can identify. But I want to caution you to not think that it's therapy that's not working for you. It could just be that that therapist was not the right fit. So let's recap. Number one, acknowledge that you need and you deserve help. Two, ask God to lead you to the right person to help you with your needs. Three, shop for a therapist. The same way you will go to the store, pick out pieces of outfits, try them on, see what fits, see what do not fit. Take that um, scenario and apply it to shopping for a therapist. And then commit to it for a certain amount of time. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But you owe it to yourself to at least try it out. So that's it for me. I hope this was beneficial to you. Um, I shared a lot that I did not plan on sharing, but that's just how God works sometimes. But my point is I want you guys to give God a chance to show you how therapy works alongside the church why it's important for people in the church on a whole, why it's important for the body of Christ. Therapy is important. There's so many things that we go through as people, so much trauma, so many experiences. What might be traumatic to one person is mild to another person, but at the end of the day, your trauma is your trauma, and you deserve to have the best resources and skills to deal with that trauma throughout the journey of your life. Thank you guys for listening to my story about how I found mental health and how therapy and the church relates to each other. I really hope that it was beneficial. And as always, if you have any questions for me, feel free to reach out. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Pure Reflections, the podcast. Be sure to rate, review, hit the subscribe button and share with a friend. For information about today's show, be sure to check out the show notes below. As always, stay focused, be true, and be you.